All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Psalm 42, the 42nd Psalm, and we'll start out with prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are grateful uh, for your love and mercy towards us. Thank you, Lord, for uh, watching over us, for your protection, your blessing on our lives. And Lord, we are grateful for the Word of God. We want your Word to find root in our heart and bring forth fruit to the glory of God. And so in the name of Jesus, as we hear your Word this morning, we ask uh, that, Lord, it would uh, find a place in us that we would grab a hold of it, live it out excitedly and on purpose for the glory of God, and we'll give you all the thanks. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Amen. I may be a little loud. You can turn me down just a little bit. Uh, Psalm 42. I'm going to read the whole psalm here this morning. Um, the Bible says, as the heart or deer pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and from the hill Mazar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Uh, this week, I want to share a message with you that I've entitled, Stuck. Stuck. Uh, and for a matter of fact, I feel as though we, we, we're going to go over this for the next couple of weeks. This week and, and next week, we're going to be talking about this. As I started praying about it and, and studying it, uh, I had a lot of information, and I didn't want to preach to you for three and a half hours, so uh, we're going to... We're going to talk about that this week and next week, the topic about being stuck. And, and I feel like that this is kind of the flip side of what we started this year out and what our vision is and what our statement is for this year, and that is that we are revival. We have declared that this year we are revival, that we're not waiting for somebody else to get excited about the things of God, that we are going to be excited about the things of God. Some of you need to tell your face that right now. That we are going to get excited about the things of God. That we have made the decision that I'm not going to have to wait for somebody else to stir me up. I'm going to stir myself up and walk in the power of God for my life. But the opposite end of that is getting stuck. Now, all of us in here can probably tell us many, many stories about getting stuck. Anybody ever gotten stuck in anything, anywhere, at any time in your life? We can get stuck in all kinds of ways. If you own a four-wheeler, I'm sure you've been stuck. Anybody been stuck in a four-wheeler? Come on now. Some of your four-wheelers still stuck. You just left it there. <laughs> we can get stuck in the snow. We can get stuck in traffic. Hallelujah. We get stuck at work on a beautiful sunny day, and you should be fishing, right? I may have been stuck in an airport. Stuck in an airport. Getting your head stuck in a handrail. You ever done that one? Yeah. 
<laughs> Some of you did it last week. <laughs> but not only do we get physically stuck, we can feel stuck sometimes, right? We get stuck in a dead-end job. We get, we get stuck in a bad relationship. We can get stuck in our finances. We can get stuck in bad decisions. We get stuck in bad mistakes that we've made in our lives. But the fact is, stuck is never really spoken of in a positive sense. Is it? If your significant other says to you, I just want you to know how stuck I feel in this relationship. Thank you for everything. It's probably not what you want to hear, right? If you get a Valentine's Day card and it says, I'm stuck with you. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm stuck with you, right? <laughs> That's not normally a good thing. I mean, I know Huey Lewis was happy to be stuck with whomever he was stuck with, but most of the time, I don't want someone to tell me, you know what? I don't want to lose half my stuff, so I'm stuck with you. <laughs> Think about it. When's the last time that you've smiled when you said, I'm stuck in traffic? Come on, come on some, of you, some of you backslidden during uh, traffic, right? Instead of worshiping, instead of thanking God, nobody smiles and says, hey, everybody, I'm stuck in traffic, <laughs> right? Um, no, when you get stuck, we're normally not happy about it. And life really does have all kinds of ways for us to get trapped. But what happens when we're spiritually stuck? And that's what I want to talk to you about today, because there may not be anything I can do for you if you're physically stuck. I can go get some butter if your head's stuck between the rails, but that's about the best I can do for you. I can't always do everything about where you are in your finances or even maybe even where you are in your relationship. I can pray, we can talk, we can try to get through things, but I want us to talk about our, what it means to be spiritually stuck. And I think every one of us in here at one point in time in our life could admit that we have felt like we were in some type of spiritual malaise where we feel like that we are kind of in a rut spiritually. Every single one of us, I'm sure, in here can testify to that. We felt like that we're trapped. We're unable to feel God. We're unable to see God at work in our lives, even though that song told us. He's still working, even when I can't see it, even when I can't feel it. God's still working. But there are times in our life that because we don't see Him, because we don't feel Him, we find ourselves in a rut and many, many times we start getting robotic and religious about our lives. And so we end up feeling distant. We end up feeling discouraged. We are stuck spiritually. Now, I'm not going to ask you how many of you are there right now, but I can almost guarantee that there are some of you in this room today that are feeling that way. You feel distant. You're not feeling God. You're not seeing God. It has discouraged your life, and you feel like you're stuck. And here's the problem. It can seem to get more and more intense because we know the Bible tells us that Jesus has come to give us life, and life what? More abundantly. This life that we're supposed to be living is more abundant. The Bible even describes it as having joy unspeakable and full of glory. It describes it as peace that passes all understanding. But when you're in a spiritual rut, those kind of phrases many times can sound foreign to you. Right? When people come up to you and you're like, rejoice in the Lord always, and you just want to give them a right hook across the jaw, right? You go rejoice. <laughs> rejoice over this. Right? The Bible tells us that we're supposed to be growing in our faith. We're supposed to be rejoicing in hope. We're supposed to be walking in victory. We are told that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are told that when God is for us, no one can be against us. And how many of you know that that is true? But what happens when it feels like God's not for us. Amen. Come on. 
You, you know as well as I do that there are times in your life where you stop and you look around and you're like, God, do you just not like me? <laughs> there, there are times in our life that we get really, we get really frustrated. I don't know about you, but I get frustrated about the little things. When the big things come along, it's almost easier to trust God. But it's those little things in life. Those, it's those little foxes, the Bible says, that spoil the vine. It's those little things that get in there and you just get frustrated. You know, anytime Murphy's Law happens in your life, right? When I, just yesterday, I was trying to fix the handle on the, the drawer in the bathroom. And the screw, something, something happened to the screw. I got to get another screw. But anyway, I took it into the kitchen to lay it on the counter. And as I'm laying it on the counter, what happens? I dropped it. You know where it went? Under the stove. <laughs> I was like, God, do you hate me? What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> but we do. We feel that way. What does it feel like? Well, what, what, what happens when God doesn't seem to be for us? What happens when we feel like we're trapped in a world that doesn't seem to match what the Bible says? Because the Bible's saying this, this is what my life's supposed to look like. As a follower of Christ, this is the joy I'm supposed to be experiencing. This is the peace I'm supposed to be experiencing. I'm supposed to be walking in victory, but I'm stuck. And Psalm 42 seems to express some of these feelings. And when you read this psalm, it's such a raw passage. It doesn't really tell us necessarily who wrote this psalm, but if we listen to what the phrases that he uses here, listen to his heart. He says, when can I appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night. That ever happened to you? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? My soul is cast down within me. He asks, why have you forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And finally, those around him keep asking him, where is your God? You're going through what you're going through? And then you have people that come along, where is your God? And we feel in our hearts many times that instead of joy, we're faced with discouragement, maybe even depression. On top of that, on top of all of these passionate emotional phrases, he also talks in the past tense. He says, I remember these things. He says, I went with them to the house of God. I will remember you from the land of different places. So he's talking in the past tense. So it's not only that the psalmist feels distant from God, he's also not having a current experience that he can seem to rejoice in. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't get up every morning and feel like I did when I first got saved. I'll be honest with you, there's times I get up in the morning, I don't feel saved at all. Much less like I did when I first got saved, right? Most of the time, when you get up in the morning, at least me, some of you are morning people, and that means that there's something wrong with you. But I'm, I'm not, right? And I got to get up early. Oh, how that happened. God, do you not like me? No. Um, we get up early, and sometimes we don't always feel like it. We go through days where we don't float. Right? We're not floating on cloud nine all the time. And everything that could go wrong goes wrong. And sometimes those days seem to turn into a week. Or maybe might even turn into a month. 
And the next thing you know, it just seems like we feel distant from God. And not only do we feel in our hearts that we're cast down, that we're discouraged, that we're disquieted. Don't, not only do we feel like we're forgotten by God, not only does it seem like people are saying, where is God in your life? But you're also talking in the past tense. I remember when, God. I remember when this happened in my life. I remember when God used to do that. I remember when God used to do this. I, I, I remember when that happened in my life. And now what used to be a current, real, up-to-date relationship has now become something that is in the past tense. And everything that he knows here, his present tense, has now become one of questioning, one of confusion, one of uncertainty. So not only is he trying to remember the past and remind himself of the past, but it seems like his present is completely and totally out of whack. So he's voicing these feelings of discouragement, his feelings of depression, maybe even possibly some feelings of hopelessness in his life. The psalmist is spiritually stuck. He's spiritually stuck. Now there's hope in this psalm also, and we'll talk about that eventually. The thing about being spiritually stuck, and I want you to hear this, the thing about being spiritually stuck is that it can be affected by every other area in our life that feels stuck. If we feel stuck in a relationship or stuck in our finances or we feel stuck at our job or, or, or stuck in our car that won't start, <laughs> those kind of things can affect us spiritually, don't they? How many of you can testify that when you don't feel good physically, it's hard to worship God? When you don't feel good physically, it's hard to feel like that you're a faith-filled person, right? I don't feel good. I'm not faith-filled. I just want to complain and somebody bring me chicken soup, right? We don't always feel like the faith giant that we think we are when we're not feeling well because places where we're stuck in the physical realm can affect us spiritually. But I, I, I think that most of the time, being spiritually stuck is really the reason why we feel stuck in other areas of our lives. In other words, it's not that we're stuck out here and it affects us here. It's we're stuck in here and affects us out here. We should always start from the inside when we find ourselves in a place where we don't want to be. God always starts with our hearts before he works with the outside. Unfortunately, though, we as people, as human nature, we normally start on the outside and try to work our way in. We try to fix everything out here, but we haven't fixed anything in here. And because of that, when we are out of whack in our walk with God, we are out of whack in almost every area of our lives. In almost every other area of, of our life. When we're spiritually stuck, we have to be introspective. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, examine yourself. Now, that phrase all by itself is scary. I don't like going to the doctor. How many of you just look forward to the doctor? You just can't wait. You got a circle, stars, happy faces. I'm going to the doctor. Nobody wants to. I mean, some of you might. Again, you're those morning people, I guess. I don't know. But examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. I mean, that's, a, that's a pretty powerful statement. But isn't that important? Is there anything more important we could do? Test yourself. Nobody likes tests. <laughs> or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? The Message Bible says, if there's something wrong, fix it. Amen. <laughs> 
Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Test yourself. Prove yourself, the King James Version says. Because if not, you're failing to meet the test. The philosopher Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living. And this has to be a priority in our lives. Our spiritual growth, our spiritual lives is the most important thing about us. A.W. Tozer said, what we think about God is the most important thing about us. Our view, our perception of our spiritual growth and our spiritual life is the most important thing about us. We think many times, well, I'm having problems in my finances, or I'm having problems with my job, or I'm having problems in my marriage. And the first thing we think of is, well, I've got to fix my marriage, I've got to fix my job, I've got to fix my finances, when in reality, we might need to start fixing ourselves. And this is why we stay stuck many times. Because everything else in our lives is deeply affected by our spiritual walk. So when we find ourselves stuck, there are three, three questions I want us to ask this week. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the changes that we can make to keep from getting spiritually stuck. But this is where we begin. If we are stuck, we need to ask ourselves these three questions because this is the beginning of being set free. And the number one question that we need to ask is, where am I? Now, most of the time when we're stuck, we think that the first question to ask is, why? Why? Right? And I understand that. That's our human nature. We want, we want to know why. But you can get so trapped in why that you can't ever move forward. But we have to ask the question, where am I? Because, and this might sound a little bit strange because you're like, I know where I am. I'm stuck. Right? I know where I am. I'm stuck. But in reality, that might describe your situation. But it doesn't describe your condition. It doesn't describe where you are. So, think about it for a minute. We, uh, we used to go to Minnesota once in a while for work, and we'd go to Mall of America. Mall of America's got, how many stories does it have? It's like five stories or something like that. It's like 600 stores in this mall. And some, there's, some of the, there's like the same store like four or five times. There's like five American Eagles in the Mall of America. And every restaurant you could possibly think of, Right? And if you've never been in it, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of an overwhelming place. There's, there's an amusement park in the middle of the mall. And so it's, 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 it's kind of overwhelming. But when you come into a mall and you're like, hey, I want to go to JCPenney. If you've never been there, what's the first thing you're going to have to do? You got to walk up to the map, find the little red dot that says, you are here. Right? If you're wanting to go somewhere... If you're wanting to, hey, hey, we're going to go to, we're going to go to Florida. Yeah, let's go to Florida. Jump in the car. Where are we going? I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. You can't use a map if you don't have a starting point. In other words, you can't get where you need to go if you don't know where you already are. It does no good for me to look at a map on how to get to Texas if I don't even know what state I'm in in the first place. If I jump on and start driving south and end up finding out that I'm actually down in South America, I'm going to end up in Argentina. Because I've got to know where I am. It's impossible if you don't know where you're at. Because why? Every journey begins with a beginning. You can't begin if you don't have a beginning. You've got to have a starting point. 
What am I saying? Everything we experience in the spiritual has to start with this question. Where am I? I want you to think about it. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve fell. They rebelled against God. They ate from the tree they were not supposed to eat from. What is the very first question God asks them? Where are you? Now, I know that, that the, the Bible writers are, are applying some um, human qualities to God in this situation. It's, it's adding drama to the story because we obviously know that the God who's omniscient, who is omnipotent, who is omnipresent, that God knew where Adam and Eve was. It wasn't as though God was looking around and couldn't find them and was flipping over rocks trying to find out where Adam and Eve were. They, he knew where they were. The question is, do you know where you are spiritually? Adam, Eve, do you know where you are with me? See, it's in our nature as humans to protect ourselves, or what we would call self-preservation. It's in our nature to make sure that we protect ourselves. So what we do is we create a world where we are safe. We can put on a facade or be someone that we aren't around others in order to hide our real selves. We've all done this at, at, at times in our lives where we come into a situation, especially if we don't know people, we want to put our best foot forward so we hide the crazy. Right? Nobody goes into a job interview and the guy's like, where do you see yourself in five years? Hopefully on workers cop, right? That's not, that's not normally what you're going to say. <laughs> what is your, what is your, you know, those interviews, like, what's your biggest weakness? What do you say? I'm late. I'm never on time. Never. I'll never be here on time. So when can I start? I won't be there then, but when can I start? I also leave early. Right? What do you say? What are my weaknesses? I have none. I'm actually the Hulk. <laughs> right? Well, we can hide ourselves. We get really good at hiding ourselves. We get really good at this. We can have a lot of friends and still be alone because no one really knows us, not even ourselves. There's, there are times that we get in our lives where we have put on a facade for so long that we've lost ourselves. Or I've even seen people who will get caught up in a bad relationship and they're in that relationship and they don't feel like they can get out and they lose themselves. They forget how to be themselves. And this is what happens to us when we get spiritually stuck. Because it's not easy to be honest. And this is where it starts. It's not easy for us to let other, know, other people know that we need help. And this is where it starts. If we are going to get out of our stuckness. That's a, that's a new one. If we're going to get out of our stuckness. And we have to recognize that we have to be honest with ourselves. Honest with God. And we've got to learn to be honest with other people. But because it's hard for us to do that, the show goes on. The show must go on. And we end up living a life that others see while on the inside we're way off. Listen to me. It's hard to face reality when you can't find it. It's hard to be real when you feel like you're under pressure to be someone you really aren't. Whether it's because you're trying to please people or because you're trying to, to, to get somebody's opinion or you want somebody to like you. Or many times we start living the life of what other people expect of us. 
And because people expect you to live up here, that's where you live on the outside, but on the inside, many times you feel like you're falling apart. It's not you. I'm putting on a show. So what ends up happening is this fake becomes the fallback position. Because reality is hard to find because I don't know where I am. Fake becomes the fallback position. It becomes our accepted condition. And many times we don't even recognize that it's happening. And that's why the Bible calls us lost when we're outside of Christ. We are lost. We, we are lost in darkness. We are lost in sin. We are lost in the brokenness of our lives. And many times we don't even know it. And that's why the Holy Spirit has to find us. The Spirit has to find us because we don't even know we're lost. If we're going to be saved, the first question we have to ask ourselves is, where am I? Where am I? So when we're spiritually stuck, we need to be, begin with being honest with God and letting the Spirit find us again. We can't move forward until we let the Holy Spirit crash through our pride, crash through our self-preservation, and crash through our make-believe world that we live in. And some of you may say, well, Mark, I don't even know what you're talking about. And that's because you don't know where you are. It's almost like when the Spirit comes along and all of a sudden you wake up and you realize, my gosh, where did I go? I don't even recognize myself anymore. I don't even recognize where I am anymore. You're never going to get out of stuckness unless you recognize where you are. So the first question you ask is, where am I? I could spend more time on that, but there's, there's two more that I want to go over. Number two, how did I get here? How did I get here? Now, how many of you have ever gotten to a place and you're like, well, I'm here. Don't ask me how, but I'm here. I made it, right? There's some roads in West Virginia. I turned right, left over a hill, past the third oak tree, turned left at the rock, right? Hey, well, it's time to go. How do I get out of here? Yeah. And then the people that know where they're at, they're like, oh, you just go right, left, left, right, left, right, 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 left, right, left, right, left, and you're there. What? Could you say that again? <laughs> Drive backwards, put it in reverse, then put it in neutral, roll down the hill. But most of the time, most of the time in our lives, we can trace back to a place, a time, an event, a series of events, a person, a certain set of circumstances that led to our place of spiritual stuckness. Most of the time, we can look back and say, this is where I started losing it. Most of the time, it doesn't happen overnight, but it gradually happens through the ups and downs of life. As I said Wednesday evening, no one backslides overnight. You don't passionately worship God, passionately pursue the Lord, and passionately love God one day, and then the next day go live like the devil. Okay, that doesn't happen. If that's happening in your life, then you probably weren't saved in the first place. That's what we were talking about Wednesday. You probably, not, you probably never really experienced the Lord. Nobody backslides overnight. You can't get to heaven living like hell, right? So you got you to realize that your spiritual situation, wherever you find yourself, if you find yourself stuck spiritually, it probably didn't take place overnight. There was a gradual up and down in your life that started taking place. 
But there's probably some place that you can stop and ask yourself, where did I lose it? Where did you lose your passion? When did it start becoming boring? When did you stop praying? When did you stop reading your Bible? When did you stop fellowshipping? When did you lose your desire? Because this helps us answer the how of our condition. This helps us answer the how of our condition. When the Spirit of God comes along and asks you the question, where'd you drop it? Where'd you leave it? At what point, what decision, what relationship, what step, what act of disobedience, what discouragement brought you to this place? Because once you recognize that, then you can recognize how to get out. Because the how describes where you are. And once you know where you are, you know how to move forward. There's four things, four major reasons, of, I believe, of how we get stuck. Number one is pain. Whether it's physical pain, emotional pain. When we have pain in our lives, it traps us. It traps us. And because of that pain, we define ourselves by it. We start defining ourselves by our mess-ups, by our mistakes, by our, all of the things that brought us hurt in life. This is who I am because of my pain. I was hurt physically. I was wounded emotionally. I've been diagnosed with this. And because of that, your whole life becomes that. That is who you are. And so you get stuck because of your pain. A lot of people that end up as addicts didn't start out wanting to be an addict, but because of pain, that was their only way out. So now they're stuck because of pain. The second major reason I believe how we get stuck is our past. There are some of us in here that cannot get past whatever happened in our past. We can't get past that one mistake, that one failure, that one sin. We can't get past that one loss. And because of that, we stay back here. I remember when. I remember when. But, but, but we're stuck back there, and we can't experience what God wants us here because we're still talking about the fact, well, this happened to me. I was hurt. Uh, they wounded me. I went through a divorce. And because of this, now my life is defined by my pain, it's defined by my past. And I want you to know here this morning, you don't have to be defined by either one of them. You are defined by the grace of God. You are defined by what Christ did at the cross. You are defined by the blood of Jesus Christ and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You are at this moment more than a conqueror. I know you don't feel like it, but at this moment, you're more than a conqueror. You are a child of God. You are blessed and highly favored, as David says, and you can't even help it. I don't care what you feel like. I mean, I care what you feel like, but I don't care what you feel like. Your pain, your past. Number three is familiarity. Being familiar keeps us stuck because it's a place of comfort. This is what I know, and because this is what I know, I feel comfortable staying here. Which then keeps you from really taking acts of faith, because faith sometimes takes risk. Obedience takes risk. You have to step out many times of your comfort zone and do what God has called you to do, or you've got to stand by faith on the Word of God when you don't feel like it. But because that's hard, and because that takes a risk, and you've got to come out of your comfort zone, you end up staying stuck. I'm familiar here. And we do this. This is human nature. Anytime we go through hard times in our lives, we always revert back to where we're comfortable. 
If I'm challenged to do something, let me find a place where I'm no longer feeling challenged. If I am confronted with something, let me find a place where I no longer have to be confronted. So let me get where it's familiar. Now, familiarity is not necessarily bad. I'm not saying some of you are, well, I've been working at this job a year. I'm pretty familiar with it. I guess I better move on. Right? I've been married for five years. I'm pretty familiar with this one. I better move on. Right? Familiarity is not necessarily a sin. There is stability in familiarity. That's part of what it takes to serve, even being part of a church. You don't hop from church to church just because, well, I've got familiar with this place, right? But at the same time, if God is telling you to move, if God is challenging us, familiarity can keep us stuck. The fourth major reason why I believe that we get stuck is fear. And this really does tie into being familiar. Because being familiar is safe, and all those other things are fearful. We get afraid, and because we're afraid, we stay trapped where we are. Instead of moving forward, I'm going to stay right here, so I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to do anything else. Fear is always a paralyzer, and it will keep you moving in what God wants you to do. So when we recognize the how, we can start to move forward, and we can start being free. So where am I? And how did I get here? Because really, in a lot of cases, only you can answer that question. You and the Holy Spirit can only answer that question, how you got where you are. And the third question that we ask is, why am I still here? Some of you are asking that question right now. (laughs) Why am I still here? Let me say this. We cannot complain about what we allow. If we are allowing things in our lives then we really don't have the right to complain about it. But we do that all the time, don't we? We allow things to exist. We allow things to continue. We allow ourselves to get into situations, and then we complain about it. But you're allowing it. This, why am I still here, can tie back to familiarity and fear. Because again, when we're familiar, we get so comfortable where we are that no matter how we got there, We don't even know what it means to or feel to be free anymore. We've been so long in that position and we've gotten so comfortable in that condition that we don't even know what it feels like to be free anymore. We don't don't know what it feels like to be anything else. I mean, think of the guy at the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3. The man had been sitting there since birth over 40 years. It's all he had ever known. It probably never crossed his mind when Peter and John walked by him that he was going to get up and walk that day. Never even crossed his mind. But faith showed up at church that day. The Holy Ghost showed up at church that day. And Peter said, I don't have any cash for you, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, it may have hit that guy like a ton of bricks. What are you talking about? I don't, you don't see this conversation because the Bible just kind of moves really fast. But can you imagine that guy sitting there kind of chuckling? Rise up and walk. You've seen me sitting here every day. You've walked by me before. This is not some odd occurrence. I've been here every day begging. Rise up and walk. But familiarity lots of times puts us in places and fear puts us in places where we feel like, man, I've been here for so long. Obviously, there's nothing else that can happen in my life. There are some of us in here that have felt so trapped for so long that you have just fallen into resolving that that will be your lot in life. And it does not have to be. 
Are we stuck because of something from the outside or something on the inside? Are we spending entirely too much time blaming other people? Or do we need to start with our own hearts? Remember, it starts with introspection. And that's why many times we stay stuck, because we don't want to be honest with ourselves, especially men. We're all strong, and we have it together, and I don't need anybody, and I don't have to go see a counselor, or I don't have to be accountable to anybody, or I don't have to help. I don't have to show up for your self-help group. I can do it myself. Habba, dabba, dabba, dabba. And then we stay spiritually stuck. Sometimes there are things that we can't change from the outside, but we can always change our perspective. We can always change how we look at it. We may not be able to change what's happening on the outside in our life, but we can change how we look at it. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not really a fan of the phrase, everything happens for a reason. I'm not really a fan of that phrase. And if you use that, you can keep doing it. But Because honestly, sometimes the reasons for things happening in our lives is just because we made a dumb decision. We're trying to look for some holy, over superstitious, spiritual, oh, God brought me to this place to show me. No, you made a dumb decision. And that's where you are, right? That's where you are. And sometimes things happen in our life simply because life's not fair. Life's just not fair. And when we spend all this time trying to figure out, oh, what is the overarching spiritual Holy Ghost reason for why this happened? It just happened because life happens. Life happens. But I do have to say this. Sometimes we do have to ask ourselves where we are. Are we here for a reason? Is there a purpose that God has for us in this moment? If we spend more time complaining about where we are, then instead of looking for ways that we can worship God while we're there, then we'll probably stay there a whole lot longer. If we spend so much time, even if we got there and we didn't want to, even if we got there because of disobedience, even if we got there because of sin, is there something we can do while we're here? Or are we just going to stew in it? Are we just going to whine in it? Or are we just going to pout in it? The Bible says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Amen. That's such a powerful statement. He set us free, and the purpose was for freedom. That's pretty basic. It was for freedom that Christ set us free, which means we are meant to be free, and we don't have to allow our hearts to fall back into a place of bondage. And once we recognize that by grace and the indwelling presence of the Spirit, we can change where we are, then we can begin to become unstuck. So in closing this morning, if you feel spiritually stuck, welcome to the party. Everyone has been there. Everyone has gone through spiritual dry times. Everyone has gone through those places where we feel like we can't grow. We all go through spiritual ruts, but we can make a choice between a rut or a revival. But it all begins with being honest with ourselves and being honest with God. Freedom belongs to us as children of God. So if we honestly take a look at our hearts, God will lead us to a place of freedom. And that's what I want to build on next week is how God leads us to that place of freedom so that we can stay unstuck. But I want to challenge you this morning. Don't let your pain or your past or familiarity or fear keep you trapped where you are. You know what? 
You might be where you are because of a dumb decision. You might be where you are because of sin. Or maybe you're there because of what someone else has done. Or because you just don't know what else to do. And this is where you are. I want you to know this morning, there is grace available. There is hope. There is always hope in God. And that's what the psalmist says here in Psalm 42. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him. He is the help of my frowny face. He is the help of my countenance, the Bible says. So I want you to know this morning, I don't care where you are spiritually, there is hope. I don't care if you are in such pain that you don't know what to do with yourself, there is hope. Hope. I don't care if your past is checkered with constant failure. There is hope in the grace of God.